This message is brought to you by the CD and Internet Ministry of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning service times. Today our special guest speaker is Dan Blythe, who will be speaking from Matthew 18, verse 23, about forgiveness. Let's join Dan now in his sermon. Well, as some of you look at me, understandably you are saying, who are you? Good morning, my name is Dan Blythe, and I'm happy to be sharing with you today. You might also be asking, how is it that I came to speak to you? And so let me introduce myself and answer those questions. It seems like just yesterday that I was a soldier in Vietnam. Before I had gone overseas, though, I met a girl named Linda who was going to Biola University majoring in nursing, and I was very taken with her. And so we wrote letters. That was before email was invented. And so uh, snail mail, courtship for a year and a half. When I came back, I enrolled at Biola in September. That Thanksgiving, we were engaged. The next March, we were married. Two and a half years later, we graduated together. And a few months after we graduated, our first child came and others followed. As you can see, I have three thorns and a rose up there. (laughs) As you probably know, kids don't stay that same age, though. And so all of my kids have grown and they have married And uh, that's our whole gang now, including 10 grandchildren, all of whom are above average. (laughs) So it's obvious that I'm a dinosaur. I've been around for a while. It may interest you to know that I once preached for a good period of time to Janine Adams before she even knew Tom Marsala existed. That's right. And I preached to Brad uh, and to Joy Wolgamuth before they were Mr. and Mrs., so I go back a ways with them as well. And my part uh, in my uh, spare time these days, I'm an adjunct prof at Biola University and Talbot School of Theology. About a year ago, uh, we moved to the area here. Uh, Linda, myself, and her dad, Elwood. Uh, Elwood's going to be 98 in uh, January and aiming for 100. Uh, we were delighted to find Rancho Baptist Church very comfortable here and uh, settled in to be just a regular contributing church member, Uh, joined the church. But then uh, shortly after that, I was asked to assist a church up the road in Sun City. They were without a pastor. They needed somebody to kind of fill in for the time. And so I did that for the last eight months or so. Uh, I just concluded my ministry there last week. They looked, searched, and found a very fine new pastor. You may know him. Derek, yes, Derek is uh, starting this morning at the First Baptist Church of Sun City. Matt has gone to uh, help launch his ministry there, and so I'm pinch hitting for Matt, and that's how you ended up with me. (laughs) Well, we'll see if you want to clap afterwards. Now, the story goes that it was a very bitter, cold winter. The parable of the porcupines tells us that the porcupines, although they usually kept apart from each other, decided because of the cold that they needed to huddle together to be warm. Of course, the trouble was when they huddled together, they stuck each other with their quills. They tried that for a while and then they said, this isn't going to work and they decided to go their different ways. But it was so cold that some of them began to die. And they realized, you know... Bad to die, not so bad to be together with our quills sticking each other. And so in the parable, they came back together even though they were poking and hurting each other. 
That parable, as you recognize, is kind of a picture of humanity, isn't it? We so much want to be in relationships. We want to be close. And yet when we get close, the quills of our depravity poke one another. And I'm talking to people, everyone here, who has been poked at some point, hurt, wounded, disappointed. We want to talk about what to do about that this morning. And to do that, we want to follow along as Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, The context in Matthew is Jesus has just told them that if a brother sins, go and tell him his fault. Keep the uh, issue small. If it can be resolved small, that's great. Between you and him, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. And Jesus gives some more instructions if uh, he doesn't listen to you. Well, one of the disciples is listening really keen to this section. And he says, you know, there's a further question that follows on here. Peter says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Good question, huh? Because Jesus had just said, you know, if, if there's a problem, you go and you get it resolved. Well, how many times do I have to do that? Over and over and over again? And so Peter gives Jesus a sample answer. He said, As many as seven times? Now, we know what Jesus is going to say, and so we tend to look down on Peter, but actually he's being very uh, gracious here. The rabbis in his day said, maybe up to three times, but certainly not four. So you can see when Peter said, how about seven, that he's really uh, pushing the envelope. But Jesus responds, I don't say to you seven times, but... 77 times. Some translations make it 70 times 7. We're going to see that it really won't matter, but I think it's probably 77 times, and Jesus is alluding to a guy who took revenge early in the story of the Bible. His name was Lamech, and his story is told in Genesis 4. Somebody wounded or hurt or offended Lamech, and so he wrote a song. Interestingly, it's the first song in the Bible celebrating how he got his revenge. He sang it to his wives. He said, Cain is revenged sevenfold. That is, God judged Cain for killing Abel. Lamech is seventy-sevenfold. In other words, seven enough for God, but Lamech, boy, he really goes the full tilt. Extravagant. Unlimited. And so, whether it's seventy-seven times or seven times seventy, which would be four hundred and ninety times, is that right? Either way, Jesus is saying... This is an extravagant number. He is not saying, look, at on the 78th time, then you can lower the boom on the mizzy. No. Or the 491st time, if you like that rendering. What he's saying is, you are to be a forgiving person going forward. How often should I do it, says Peter? Well, you should do it endlessly. Now, that's easy to say, isn't it? But remember that story about the porcupines and those quills? Yeah, not so easy to practice this. And so Jesus tells a story, a parable. And the parable is meant to help us understand what this forgiving business looks like and why he says to his followers, you forgive and then you forgive again and then you forgive again. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, this king or this master 
had a, a book called a ledger. And in that book or that ledger, he kept track of all of his financial empire. So his, his uh, spending was in here. The sales were in here. The bills that he owed, his accounts payable, that was in here. His accounts receivable, that's bills owed to him, that's in here too. So he's going over his big ledger. Okay? And as he goes over the ledger, he comes across one of his servants. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, we don't use talents today. We use dollars and things like that. But it might be important for you to know that talent was the biggest measure of currency that was available when Jesus told this story. And 10,000 is the biggest number that you could describe when he told this story. So he picks the biggest number and the most expensive currency. This guy owed 10,000 talents. Let's translate that into our language. A talent equaled 6,000 denarii. A denarius was how much a person would make in one day's work. Okay? So a talent represented 6,000 days work. Got it? About 20 years of wages. That would be a considerable debt, wouldn't it? But it wasn't just a talent, it was 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents equals 60 million. Check me on my math here, but I think this is right. Denarii. So 10,000 talents it would take me, if I got a talent, a denarius a day, 200,000 years of wages. Now, some of you are saying, what kind of a businessman would let somebody else get into him for that much? Jesus is using a number to exaggerate how great the debt is on purpose here, okay? But I want you to see, it is a lot. I mean, it is, uh, what does my slide say, an absurd amount, right? It's ridiculous. Is this servant in trouble? Yeah, the, the master's going over his ledger, and he's looking to see who has accounts payable due, and boy, he's in trouble, isn't he? In fact, you know, this much money represented the whole taxation of Judea in a year for the Roman Empire. <laughs> okay? Just to get a sense of how big this is. Well, the servant, since he could not pay, uh, came and his master ordered him to be sold. And this was the common thing that happened in the ancient world when you had a debt and you could not pay it. They sold you, your family, your children, everything you had to pay whatever they could, and you were thrown into jail until you should pay the rest. Now, how easy is it going to be to make money while you're in jail to pay the rest? No, this is not a good situation, is it? And so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Okay, now, was that a legitimate promise? Come on, be a hard-headed businessman here. Was there any way he could pay all of that? No. Have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, not because he accepted his promise, but out of pity, out of compassion for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. In effect, what he did 
was for that servant, the master abandoned his ledger system, didn't he? He laid that aside. He, he treated it as if it didn't even exist. And he dealt with him on the basis of showing mercy to him instead of on the basis of how much you owe. So far, so good? Do we like what happened there? Yes. Now, of course, the question comes, well, then who pays this debt? Or to put it in business speak, who eats the debt? Well, who does? The master, right? Okay. Well, it turns out that somebody else had a ledger too. It's a smaller ledger because he wasn't such a big fish. But uh, our servant went out and he was checking his ledger, his accounts payable. And he uh, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Let's see if you're paying attention. That's a hundred days wage, right? So about three and a half months or something like that. About a third of a year. Okay, not, not too bad, right? And seizing him, <laughs> he began to choke him and say, pay what you owe. I got my ledger here. You're on my accounts receivable. You you owe me money. This fellow servant fell down. Does this sound familiar? And pleaded with him. Does this sound familiar? Have patience with me. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing that servant number one had said to the king or the master, right? And I will pay you. And is that a reasonable promise here? Well, yeah, give me a little time. I can work things out. I can adjust some, you know, some business transactions and I'll be able to take care of you. But he refused. He says, no, I operate by the ledger system. You owe me. You haven't paid me. And they put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, in Jesus' story, oh, by the way, uh, his debt, let me go back there, was one six hundred thousandth the size of the debt the servant number one had owed. <laughs> okay? Just so you get the proportion there. Well, the servants watched this. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Wouldn't you be? This is terrible. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I, for, I forgave you. There goes the ledger down there. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy, same word, compassion, on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Does that make sense to you? I was kind to you. You should have been kind, right? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Well, what are you going to do though, right? I mean, we all have books. The books are things that are records of hurts that we got. Those books are important to us. 
The reason we don't have to write them down is because we'll never forget them, right? We carry them. So what, what can we do with those hurts, those wounds? Tom's going to help me here. Tom, would you kind of come on up for? Uh, Tom's holding a ball. And, and we're going to, we're going to have that ball represent a wound, a hurt, an offense, okay? So when Tom throws that to me, Tom is in effect wounding me or hurting me, all right? All right, Tom, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, oh. Wow, he just offended me. He hurt me. What can I do? Yes, yes. All right. Yeah, there. Now, notice, see, when he hit me, there was one person hurting, right? Now that I've hit him, there's two people. Isn't this progress? Well, not exactly. In fact, Dan, I thought the Bible says you're not supposed to give back evil for evil, but to give a blessing instead. Ooh. Okay, I guess that's not going to work, Tom. Thank you. So I can't take it out on Tom. But there's Nina here. Yes, boy, I'm going to get you. Now how many people are hurting? Two. No, I didn't. I, Tom, I didn't go back to. Instead, I passed it on to. Now, Nina, had you done anything? No, no, I mean to, to me. <laughs> Nina hadn't done anything to me, although she's done other things apparently, but we won't go into that. Okay? So, instead of getting back at him, I pass it on to Nina. So, there's still two people that are hurting, right? Okay, thanks, Nina. Well, that's not too good of an idea either. What else can I do with this, this hurt? I know. I'm going to really push it deep inside. I'm going to think about it when I go to sleep. I'm going to nurse it. It's going to begin to define who I am. When you meet me and we begin to talk, it won't take five minutes before I tell you about it. You know? And I'm becoming a bitter person, a toxic person. The kind of person has to go to Pastor Lou for counseling, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound too good either, does it? Well, what am I going to do with it? I can't throw it back. I can't pass it on. I shouldn't nurse it. I guess the only thing I can do is let it go. And that's forgiveness. And so when Jesus said, forgive up to, up to 70 times 7, He means, I need to let it go. I need to forgive. The Master decided to operate on a different basis than the ledger system. And so do I. He put away His ledger system So do I. In the parable, the Master says, if you want to play by the books, I will use the books with you. How many of you want the Lord to use the books with you? (laughs) And God's book is bigger on you than your book is, right? What we're talking about here in abandoning the ledger system is what the Bible calls the gospel. 
what it calls grace. It's God abandoning the ledger system. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, forgiveness is extended. He lets it go. Even though He could hold it against us, He does not. He abandons the ledger system. And then He calls on us to do the same thing. But my books are important to me. Those hurts have been there. I'm supposed to forgive? Yes, you are. Is it optional? No, it is not. If you've been forgiven by Him, then you need to forgive. Now, just so that we're clear on what it means to forgive, let me quickly uh, note some other aspects of this that may help you. Uh, I need to advance a few slides, excuse me. This, uh, many of these are drawn from a book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. And if this is a big issue for you, that might be a book for you to look at. Listen, forgiveness is not approving what somebody did. It's not saying it was okay. Now, sometimes when people hurt us, it's not on purpose, right? They don't even know that they hurt us. But sometimes it is. Either way, you hurt. And forgiveness is not saying, oh, it's, it's all right, approving what they did. It is also not just accepting what they did or receiving it. Well, you know, I get kicked around in life. That's the way things are for me. That's my particular script in life. It's not justifying what they did. You know, what they did hurt me, but I I know they have problems in their own life. They had difficulties with their parents, blah, 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 blah. And so we can't hold them responsible. No, it's not justifying what they did. It's not right. It's not refusing to take what they did seriously. Sometimes when we're dealing with this issue, we say, well, I'll just treat it like it's not an important thing. No, this is a serious thing. This hurt you. It's not pretending that what they did wasn't that bad. This is not forgiveness. All of these attitudes, these thoughts are not forgiveness. It's not pardoning what they did in a civil or legal fashion, all right? Forgiveness is personal. It's not civil. So if somebody robs my house, I can forgive them, but I can still testify against them in court. Do you follow me? There's a civil side of this that needs to be upheld, okay? Not necessarily reconciling with them. After all, it takes two to reconcile. And sometimes it's not possible to reconcile. Maybe they are dead. (laughs) You can't reconcile. You still need to forgive them. But they're gone. So reconciliation will not always follow. Doesn't mean denying what they did. And it doesn't mean forgetting what happened. Forgiveness is not some kind of amnesia. Okay? Now, we talk about forgive and forget. Here's what we mean. It doesn't mean you forget it. It means that when you remember it, it doesn't have the same punch or pain that it had when you've forgiven it. Think about God and us. Does God remember our sins? God never forgets anything. God knows everything, all right? 
But the point is, when He forgives our sins, He, in effect, no longer brings those to mind. They're there, but they no longer bring His wrath because it's been dealt with. Same way with you. When you forgive somebody, doesn't mean you'll forget what they did. But it means when you remember it, it will no longer trigger in your mind. Forgiveness is not these things. To put that differently, to forgive is to fully feel the weight of the grief and pain. Remember, who paid the debt in the story of the Master? Who ate it? The Master did. So who is going to eat it, if we can use that expression here? You are, if you're the forgiver. Follow me? Well, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is based entirely on how God has treated us. The parable makes that plain, doesn't it? The second servant, the first servant had been forgiven. That's how, in effect, the God or the master treated him. So he should do the same. That's why you forgive, because you have been forgiven. It's being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them. Okay? Let me add a couple more things to it. It is refusing to punish them, not the civil aspect, but just refusing to get back. Sometimes this is the easiest thing. Well, I just kind of ignore it. Although nothing is easy in this business of forgiving. It is yielding my rights to get even. And perhaps this is a different way to think about it for you. When you forgive somebody, you are promising them that you will not use this whatever it was, against them again. You will not bring it up in your mind, in your speech, in your actions. You will not take revenge. You are promising you're not going to use this against them again. You're not going to say, well, I remember back when you... You're not going to go there. It's a commitment of the will. And it's an inner condition. This is something you decide in your heart. It's a policy decision. You know why businesses make policies, right? Because they don't want to make the same decision over and over again. So they make a policy decision. This is a policy decision. As far as that issue is, it is done. I let it go. One of the things that happens, though, when you do this is it does bring the absence of bitterness. And that that bile, that toxicity that bubbles up in your life subsides and goes away when you have forgiven. Now, sometimes when we are hurt, things get so convoluted and we get so confused that sometimes part of dealing with it is not only releasing the other person, but releasing God. Sometimes we think like this, God, why didn't you stop it? Why weren't you there? We know we shouldn't be asking that question, but we really are asking that question. And so part of releasing it is releasing God. I know it sounds terrible. That's how confused we get. It also may mean releasing yourselves. I shouldn't have gone down that place. I shouldn't have gone with that person. What was I thinking? And so you have to say, I'm going to release you too. Obviously, this is not an emotion, huh? You may not feel at all like doing this. It is a choice, not an emotion. It's an act of the will enabled by the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I'm talking to people this morning. And my full confidence is that many of you have somebody you need to forgive. Okay? An act of the will enabled by the Holy Spirit. It is hard. You cannot do it unless God gives you the ability or the strength to do it. To forgive, however, is to reflect fully what God did for me. You following me here? Okay. So here I was a sinner. Under God's ledger system, I was headed to hell. There was no hope for me. But God, being rich in mercy, sent His Son, Jesus, to die for sinners like me. Because of that, eternal life is a free gift that's received by faith. And when I receive that, I am forgiven. God sets aside the ledger against Dan and against you. But it follows that if we're abandoning the ledger system entirely, and we are, aren't we? That I need to abandon it too. To forgive is to abandon the ledger-keeping system. Now, at the end of the parable, Jesus makes an application. So, also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, we read verses like that and we quickly want to say, but that doesn't mean what it says. And we begin to theologically skate around. This is a serious statement. This is not the only time Jesus said something like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Ooh, that sounds like this again, doesn't it? Okay. Now look, at, listen please very carefully here. Jesus is not adding a condition for salvation. Forgiving others is not a condition to, to, to getting saved. It is an evidence, however, that you are saved. In other words, if you understand that you have been saved by grace through faith and that God has laid aside His ledger system, the only consistent logical thing to do is lay aside your ledger system too. And that's why the Scripture will say, as God in Christ has forgiven you, so forgive. It doesn't say think about forgiving. It's an option to forgive. Forgive! In the story, if you really didn't want to abandon the ledger system, the suggestion is that God will honor your ledger system or system with you. Who wants that? Who wants God to give them exactly what they deserve? I don't think you do. Therefore, you need to forgive others. Here's your question. Am I going to retain or abandon the ledger-keeping system? Do I want God to extend forgiveness to me in just the same way as I do to others? How does God forgive me? Without limits, doesn't he? So how am I to forgive others? 
without limits. Now, you've been listening very attentively, but there's one more thing I want you to do. In your bulletin was a message notes, and I'd like you to take that and turn it to the back side and fold it in half. Okay? You see there's some lines kind of in the middle. I still need that for a second. Thanks. I want you to do something now. The musicians are going to give you some music in the background, but I want you to do some thinking. I want you to open up your heart before the Lord. And I want you to think about what Jesus told us today. Okay? First, on the top half, I want you to fill out things that are in God's books on you or were. Okay? So, start writing things that would be in God's books on you. It could be things like, yeah, more paper, pride. I'll give you some suggestions in case you can't think of any. Using other people. Selfish ambition. Perjury. A judgmental spirit. Self-righteousness. Envy. Jealousy. Ingratitude. Hypocrisy. Idolatry. Sexual sins. In my thought life. In my speech. In my actions. Cheating. Stealing. Lying. Coveting. Greed. Disobedience to parents. Arrogance. Shall I go on or is that enough? It's no fun to look at a picture of God's books on us, is it? Now here's what the scripture says. If you've trusted in Christ, all of those are forgiven. God has let them go. He has abandoned the ledger system on you. Isn't that great news? Then I want you to turn your paper to the bottom half. And we want to go to your books. Your books on others. I'd like you to list there before the Lord. Ask Him to bring them to your memory. People that you need to forgive. Uh, they may not even know they hurt you. Okay. They may be dead. Who are the people that you need to forgive? I know for some of you this is exceedingly painful. Do it by the Spirit. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, says the Scripture. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We're not making this up. Forgive them. As an act of your will, God as your witness. Release it. Let it go. Not going to bring it back up anymore. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called. List them and then pray God's blessing on them. Take a few moments to complete your form.
Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.